You're listening to the Community Pulse Podcast, a podcast on developer relations, community management, and everything in the tech community spectrum. Welcome your hosts, Mary Thangball, Jason Hand, and PJ Haggerty. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Community Pulse. This is Jason Hand, and this week we're going to be talking about conference season. Is that a thing? We hear that phrase uh, fairly often, or do we? Um, and we've got a couple of really great guests, uh, but before we get to that, I want to thank our sponsors, IBM, uh, and a little message from IBM. Are you building cloud applications with Java, AI, machine learning, serverless, and containers? IBM Developer provides a large number of code patterns, sample applications, articles, tutorials, and videos to help you build faster. And all code is available on GitHub. You can incorporate any code into existing applications or use it to start a new application. Simply go to communitypulse.io slash IBM developer to access the IBM developer resources and start building. You can also follow them uh, on Twitter at IBM developer. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, um, like I said, my name is Jason Hand. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason or at Jason Hand, and uh, I'll hand it over to PJ. Hey, everybody, it's PJ. Uh, as always, at Esplenic on Twitter, and of course, Mary. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I'm at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter, and with us we have two awesome guests. We have Amanda Gonzer and Matt Arbeck. <sighs> Amanda, how about you introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Amanda Gonzer. I'm at Amanda Gonzer on Twitter, and I'm the manager of community events and content at PagerDuty. And I'm uh, Matt Auerbach. I'm currently a developer advocate at uh, Twitch. I'm working out of New York City, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mauerbach, and that's M-A-U-E-R-B-A-C. Super confusing because there's no H at the end. No awesome. worries. Thanks to both of you for joining yeah. us today. Happy to be here. Yeah, so, thanks for having me. Yeah, as Jason mentioned, we're chatting today about conference season. Um, and I know for me, this is a phrase that I used to hear when I first started in tech uh, a little over a decade ago. Um, but this idea of like, you know, we've got conferences spread throughout the year, but then there's conference season where like it's super busy and everyone's constantly on the road. And I know at least throughout my career, that idea of conference season has gone from like, oh, okay, it's a couple months that are super busy to, no, conference season is all year and you could attend a conference every day of the year and probably still not get to all of them kind of a deal. So we're chatting about that as well as how to find conferences, how you decide which ones to get to, how to set up an event strategy, how to do all of that and more. Um, so I'd first of all, just kind of love to hear your perspectives on is conference season still a thing or are we just kind of so deep in the weeds of events and conferences as developer relations folks that we see conferences all year round instead of just one specific time of year? Um, I guess I could take a stab at that. I mean, I feel like whenever I hear the term conference season, it's always followed by it's uh, like it's always conference season so I feel like there's kind of that notion as well I if I had to pinpoint really like a super busy time I do feel like it's always in the fall so maybe like September to like right up until Christmas and I think we see more of the industry and sort of larger company events so like I can just think of like reinvent right off the top of the of my head and that's usually in that period um, but I do think we're just seeing more and more conferences and like even startups are starting to produce their own like one day conferences is what they're calling them. And sometimes they're 
pretty inexpensive or even free. So I know like Datadog has uh, started to do uh, their uh, like own conference for a while. And I just think we're seeing more and more events that maybe they're not even truly conferences, but they're just throwing that name along with it. And I think that's why we just always feel like there's a conference. Um, so I think that's sort of my take on it. I mean, I think there are conferences all year round, but as someone who has like planned a conference before, I think you kind of look at like, when is a good time to put this conference? And there's so few months that are good for it. Like you, you don't really want to put it in December. There's already a big conference in December and it's the holidays. And then you think backwards and like, well, November is kind of holidays too. And, and if you do that throughout the whole year, you kind of end up with like a lot of conferences in spring. Cause that's a good time. And then a lot of conferences in fall, you don't really want to put a, a big conference right in the middle of summer because people are traveling and and really depending on where your attendees are coming from it could be like if it's in europe you would not want to put it in august because they're all on vacation um and just i think it really just depends but in general i feel like the big surges of conferences that that we see uh would be like spring and fall yeah i also think just to add on top of what both of you said that in determining what a conference is, like I think if you just look at what the big ones are, uh, the most well-known ones, kind of like uh, reInvent and you know also Ignite or you know even the O'Reilly conferences, like the, those ones that most people just sort of know about, they seem to cluster together and they always seem to happen around the same time every year. And then it's like all these new communities that have sort of figured out how to do conferences now too, including DevOps Days and you know all the different programming language communities out there they sort of like fill in the gaps be at, you know, around all these big sort of other events that we know every year perennially are going to happen on these dates probably. And so I think that's how it's like shifted like to what you were saying, Mary, from a couple of years ago, there was what seemed to be just like a handful of conferences you would go to and they were always kind of in the summer slash fall. But now I don't know what's happening exactly. I think that's what we're trying to figure out, but there's just, they seem to be happening all the time. And some of it's because they're in different parts of the world and um, they're on different subjects and different communities. But well, I, I think, I think there's a point there. And I think that, it, you know, it's interesting that, that Amanda brought up the whole, you know, you don't do a, a conference in Europe in August because everyone's gone and you don't have a conference in the U S in July because everyone is also on vacation. Um, I, it, as the elder statements statesman of this group, um, I do feel like it definitely used to be like strictly speaking, other than like Code Mesh was always an outlier. It was January sixth in Sandusky, Ohio, and whoever thought of that was had their own issues. But like generally, other than that, it was like March to October, with maybe like a web summit at the end. And and like like Matt was saying, like a lot of your big corporate conferences would fall in that September, October, fall, autumn kind of section but everything else would be you know up to that year with july off um now it seems that i i mean just this year up until last week i was at a conference every other week and i could have been at a conference every single week if i wanted to uh so it's not really you know it's it's draining as it is and i think for people especially in devrel the fact that the idea of conference season is degrading it's making our jobs much more difficult especially when we're multiplayers of we, we also develop content we're also expected to write code we're expected to do you know x y and z yet um the time that we have because there's always some conference we should be at some community we should be reaching out to makes that much more difficult um would you agree like if if, if your main role is not to be a speaker but it, that's part of it um the whole idea of the the conference season falling apart not being a thing makes devrel 10 times harder than it needs to be 
Yeah, I think like totally. I think I need to be way more selective and really just pick the, I think I can only commit to like three or four in a year. So like really once per quarter, just because as you say, like there's so many conferences popping up that it's just such a distraction. And I really have a routine lately, especially in DevRel of like doing things like content and checking in on forums and other online communities that it really all breaks down when I go to these conferences. So I'm finding that like there's sort of, I have to like prepare content for the conference. And then on the other end of that, I sort of uh, lose my routine. So I think we just need to be more selective about conferences now. Well, I, I also think that, and I've been a big proponent. I wrote that blog post a little, a little bit, and I know that it showed up in the DevRel newsletter from Mary about meetups and how we don't seem to have in DevRel the respect for meetups that we used to have. They used to be the biggest and most important thing. And now they're like a secondary thing. If you can get to it, maybe it's it's around the conference you're going to. I feel like meetups are starting to to become less important, which is sad to me, because there are actually so many conferences. Um, and on the other side, because there are so many conferences and they're in more and more places, uh, meetups are starting to fall apart. Because what? Well, why should we have a meetup? We're going to have this conference and this conference around. You know, so we'll get our two or three conferences a year, which is great. I mean, Matt, you said you you go to. <laughs> You go to three or four. I'm at 24 already this year and counting. Um, that doesn't include me. I was saying I want to go to three or four. I definitely yeah, want yeah. more. But yeah, I mean, like, I think the thing is with so many conferences, what are the negatives to the different communities that we work in? Like, what, what's the impact? Because, I mean, obviously not every, every conference can be 20,000 people all of the time. Um, but I think it also drains from other resources like meetups, like localized user groups and things like that. I mean, it does become a point with sponsorship of like as a company who sponsors community events, um, like practitioner events and things like that. Like we have to be really choosy because now there are so many events that we really have to put a lot of thought behind which events are we going to sponsor and why. And then when we get all of these different requests to sponsor maybe smaller events, like it's just hard to justify because we're already sponsoring so many other ones. So I think that it can hurt different local communities in that sense because there are so many conferences that companies are sponsoring that then they kind of lose their sponsor pool a bit. Right. Like I mean, and for example, you know, if you're if you're in November, like, hey, it'd be cool if we had a, a last quarter sponsor for our meetup. Just three months, we need like three hundred bucks for pizza and beer. Um, and you go to you know you go to a large company and they're like, we already spent all of our marketing budget on doing 12 conferences and six meetups. And so like, you know, come back to us in January. And it's like, well, we might not need the money in January. Uh, and even conferences, like I've had the last minute conference beg for sponsorship and it's like, yeah. I wish I could help you, but I cannot help you out, my friend. Yeah. Well, and there's an interesting perspective there because I've had a couple different companies that I've worked for in the past that, you know, our, for the DevRel team specifically, our sponsorship budget was fairly small. And it forced us to go specifically to the smaller regional community run conferences, which actually wound up being far more beneficial than a lot of the bigger shows, right? It's far less of a financial commitment, but you have far more conversations. You get to know the people better. You don't have thousands of people walking by your booth every day, which means you don't need as much swag. So there's less cost there as well. And it's been interesting to kind of see the the benefit of the smaller events and the benefit of having a smaller budget where you have to say i can't sponsor the o'reilly shows or reinvent or ignite or the shows that are a lot more money because we don't have the budget for it 
and it forces you to look elsewhere and be more creative about how you're spending that money and reach out to more meetups or reach out to more community run events and actually get a chance to build more relationships. Well, I think, I think that's true on the speaking side too, though. I, I really enjoy being in a room full of, you know, 20 to a hundred people. And, and it's not that I don't enjoy when I'm on stage for 3,500. Like it's great. It's very, very rock star, very glam, like whatever. But you know, when I speak to a room of 20 or 50 people, I get to meet every single one of them at the end of my talk. Um, and that's kind of the beauty. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you'd agree. Do you, do you start to feel burnt out? Cause if, if there are so many conferences and you have to go to so many conferences and you're meeting all of these people, do you feel like there's a lack of relationship building kind of with people in the community? I mean, I think if you're going to a conference and you're just sort of like saying hello to people and like patting people on the back and answering these like high level questions, I mean, I guess it depends what your goal is, but I definitely don't find that as valuable. I really like to leave a conference with having like solid sort of deep dive conversations and really have those like meaningful, more intimate conversations. And I think that what also just helps us in our career as well, because then we can go back to our companies and share these stories and share the feedback and get people excited internally. So I try to actually do the smaller workshops or like the 20 to 30 people. Um, I do think it depends where like your product is if you're going to sort of talk about that. Like when I worked at Optimizely, we just came out with a product. It was like six months in the market and like we just didn't really know where it was going to fit. So we actually went to these like larger conferences because we thought we needed just more spread. And then maybe we would sort of pick up those like 10 good conversations because there were like a few thousand attendees. But then we went to like GlueCon and that was a really good conference for us because we had, I think they're like three or 400 attendees and we had like those solid conversations. So I think it just depends what your goals are. Yeah, I think that's a really excellent point because not only is it a matter of like the size of the company or the maturity of the company, but also the product and the industry that they're aiming for. Um, Mary and, and, and Matt also just both mentioned, you know, something about having good conversations as though uh, as though that is like the most important thing to get out of a conference. That's not the opinions of the marketing teams and the, and this, you know, the leadership teams, they, they great. You had great conversations. How many leads did you get and how many, you know, what's that do to our funnel? And so I think it kind of just like, like always depends on what you're trying to get out of these conferences. Well, um, I, th so I think too, I think you bring up an interesting point, Jason, but I think in DevRel, I think the importance that we have is building loyalty to the brands we represent. That doesn't mean immediate financial return. Totally. And that's what I was about to go with this is that I think we've got two different unique perspectives in our guests in, in that I, be I believe Amanda may have more perspective on how do you make decisions on why pager duty as an organization, um, what's the value we get out of this from that perspective. And then from Matt, like, as more of the DevRel side, the conversations are what we're after. We're, we're building relationships. We're trying to understand problems and relay that back to the right people. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, maybe we can start with Amanda, like how do you decide what on paper, because I, I believe that's probably more your problem, why on paper it makes sense for us to go to X conference or X community event? Sure, and I mean, I think PagerDuty is, um, unique in the sense, and maybe a lot of companies do this, but we have three different event departments. So we have the marketing department, which does our corporate events like reInvent and things like that. And then we have our field marketing, which is more focused on sales. And then um, I'm on the community team, which is essentially the DevRel team. And so the events that we do are 
practitioner focused and they are focused around having conversations. Um, so the way that we, we get a lot of requests for different sponsorships, um, people from inside the company give us ideas. We are stumbling across conferences all the time. Like there are just so, so many. Um, so we've put together a tool kind of like a six Sigma matrix that weights based on, um, things that we find important in a conference and how we rate each conference. Um, and then it does some fancy multiplication uh, in an Excel spreadsheet and it kind of helps us understand if the conference is meeting the goals that we've set out. And the top things that we look for are like, do we have a space that we can have conversations at? Like we don't really want to pay a sponsorship to put stickers on the table or to sponsor the tote bag or something like that. Like we definitely want a booth because we want conversations and the metrics around the events that we do focus on how many conversations did we have those would be our leads quote unquote although they're not sales leads and then taking that further like how many of them were like high-level conversations and how many of them were more like direct feedback about our product or someone interested in joining the company or someone who works for a competitor letting us know what they like that they're doing that we're not like that's really what we find value in in the conferences that we sponsor. So um, the way that I do it on paper uh, is to, to kind of use that spreadsheet and decide per conference, like some of the things that we look are like the attendee base. Is it like a general tech conference or is it really specific to, to DevOps and monitoring things like that? Because that's our product. So we want to make sure if we're, if our goal is to meet with users and people interested in our product, we need to be in the right spot. Um, then we get into like the booth. Can we talk with people or is this just like a sticker promotion? Um, I tried to do like a cost per opportunity, which is sort of a marketing tactic in a sense of how much is the sponsorship costing us versus how many attendees are there to get an idea of how much are we paying to talk to each of these people. And I mean, we're not looking for extreme ROI of sales leads because that's not our goal, but we want to make sure that the cost that we're paying per opportunity to talk with people is is not unreasonable. That being said, we've sponsored events where the cost per speaking with person is is high, but we find it a really valuable conference. Um, and then I just have like a whole slew of different things that we measure against, and I'm happy to share those. Um, but but that's kind of how we value or evaluate, I guess you could say, which conferences we should be at and which we shouldn't. Um, and it's been a really helpful tool because it kind of gives us a more methodical um, and less like feeling based idea of what conferences we should sponsor and just kind of gives us a line in the sand. Like if this event doesn't score higher than 225, then probably we shouldn't sponsor it sort of. Yeah. Like that. yeah. And I think that was one of my favorite, by the way, I've seen that tool. Maddie Stratton had, <laughs> had shared that with me and that was kind of, kind of what I was hoping you would, you would bring up. Um, so sorry for like fishing that yeah. out of you, but the, um, interesting thing, I think what you just pointed out at the very end there was that uh, even though you have this really nice framework and this tool and you put in some hard numbers and you can actually have like a quantitative uh, thing to make some decisions, it's still up to you as a team to, to make that final decision. What sh should we go? You know, because this is really more about the conversations and there's just a, there's always going to be that element of it's not subjective to a specific number or range, it's still kind of a gut call, but at least we can use some tools like this awesome spreadsheet, which I would love for you to share with us, which Yeah, would I would love to make like a um, more sanitized version and share it with you. And I think I'll try and put a blog post together around that so then it can be yeah. shared. I think it's a, a really helpful tool. And like you said, it's not like the end all be all, but it's a really good resource to use to kind of make you make things a bit clearer if you want to sponsor something or not. 
Totally. Yeah. And I think there's, I've seen lots of different ways people sort of calculate, you know, I I remember how we did it at Victor Ops, like we had a spreadsheet as well. Um, And, you know, I I think that that's a great starting point and probably a lot of people out there don't have a tool like that. So that'd be awesome. I think that the one question I have for you, Amanda, and and Matt, feel free to chime in on this as well, um, is so with so many conferences already, we, we talked about though there, there's these emerging conferences or new conferences. Um, and I think they, they range like, for example, you know, I'm going to mention this in checkouts again, but we're doing DevOps days Buffalo for the first time. So it's kind of an unknown quantity. Um, so when I go to people and say like, you should sponsor, how many people you're expecting? I don't know anywhere between 10 and a million. It, it could be either, like, I don't have any hard data to say, well, every other time it's been this, how do you evaluate or find even, uh, conferences that are brand new. Um, and I mentioned, so DevOps Days Buffalo, but on the other end, because that's a, a known, somewhat known entity because it's DevOps Days, you know what to expect. But like if another conference just opens up and they're like, hey, we're called Code Town and we've never done this before, you know, please sponsor us. But you don't really know, like that's so vacuous. How do you evaluate a conference like this where maybe there isn't enough data to put in that spreadsheet? Sure. I think um, if it's your first conference and you want to demonstrate to possible sponsors that you're going to get people there, I think sharing what you're doing, like what what are your marketing efforts right now? Like who do you expect to come? How have you set up your exhibit hall to make sure that the attendees are going to visit the booths? I think kind of showing things like that is really helpful. When I look at prospectuses, prospecti, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. We could have a whole episode. That's just our next episode. That works. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But when I look at different prospect I, um, I often look at if they say um, how many sponsors they're expecting, uh, the foot traffic they're, they're expecting, the effort that they're putting into making sure people go to the booths. I, I place a lot of value on that. Or if a conference, I know this is different because if it's a first time conference, it's a little different. But often if you're looking to re-sponsor an event the next year, it's nice to have them put out some post event report of like, we saw traffic was X or our sponsors had X many leads uh, average, like here's how we're going to make it better next year. I think kind of making your perspective speak to the sponsors is a really helpful tool. But for first time things, I think, like I mentioned, like showing what you're doing already and, and kind of maybe having a confirmed speaker from the start to just show like this is happening. I think that that's really helpful. The only other thing um, I'll add is just that um, at Optimizely and some of these other companies I've worked at, we've also looked at, you know, who else is sponsoring. And I think that's really helpful to get a sense of like, are your competitors there? Are partners there? And that was almost like a sanity check for us, which is like, okay, we kind of have to be there. Like two of our competitors <laughs> are there. Like it would just be silly. So I don't know if that's like a cheap way to do it, but I found that to be pretty helpful. And <laughs> no, it actually works. Yeah. It's on the matrix. Yeah. It's on this matrix that we use. Like our yeah. competitors there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because like for... Check. For a while, I worked at a company that was like, well, our competitors are there. We're not going to be there. We're going to like be conspicuous by our absence. And it's like, I, I never understood that logic. <laughs> I don't um, understand that either. But I mean, there I know there are events where our competitors are that we're just not going to get to. And that's fine. But like when we're evaluating it, it's nice to know if they're there or not. Or do we have like adjacent competitors? Or do we have like partners that we have integrations with there? Like it's nice oh, yeah. to know the landscape of people that are at the conference to see like, is this my crowd? Are these yeah, my and people? I think I think going back to the point of, you know, looking to see who else is sponsoring or even if they have sponsors, right? As as an event organizer, having those sponsorships, having those people you can kind of poke and be like, hi, I'm doing this conference. Is it something you might be interested in sponsoring? And having those conversations early 
and having those conversations before you've announced the conference, right? So that you can go back to them later and go, cool, this is actually a thing now. <laughs> can yeah. you actually put it through your official channels at this point? But having those first, that first sponsor or two is, is huge for getting more people on down the road for sure. Yeah. One of the things that was always a challenge for me, um, especially at my, my time at Victrops was people would in, within our engineering team come to me and ask, which, which conferences should I get to? Like we had allocated um, that, that everyone was allowed to go to X number of conferences per year. We would cover their costs. It's just part of like our continuous learning um, effort. And so people knew that I was like a resource on, well, what are the conferences around, you know, the country or wherever to go see. And it was always really hard for me because in a lot of cases, like they could only get to maybe two a year. What advice would, would either of you two, our guests or any of you have for being in that same situation when people are like, Hey, look, I, I, you get to go to 20, you know, maybe per year. I can only go to two. Um, what, like, where do you start in trying to evaluate that question? I, I, I'll, I'll jump in here. I think that it's always dependent on the person who's asking the question. For sure. Um, I mean, if you're talking to, it's interesting. I worked with this guy who is an ops genius, sysadmin, extraordinaire, amazing. Never wanted to go to an ops conference. Never. He's like, I know, I know that's shit. I don't need to worry about that. Send me to like some weird open source programming language conferences. Um, that's where I want to go. You know, I want to go to, you know, geo Python, um, which is specific, like it's Python, but specifically about mapping. Like I want really weird stuff because I want to learn the weird stuff. I know this stuff. I could teach this stuff. Um, Whereas I had other people who were like, you know, I'm just looking for like, what's the next step in my job. And sometimes you even have to suggest conferences that are outside of tech that are about like leadership skills or learning how to be a manager or business intelligence or things like that. Um, so it depends. Um, I think, I think what's worse is actually the question when someone says, what's the best conference? Um, the best conference for you is not the best conference for me. The best conference for me is the one that I'm at. Um, to be perfectly honest, like the one that's happening right now that I'm participating in is always the best conference. Um, even if it's the worst, it's the best. Uh, so I, I don't think, I don't think there's an easy answer to that question. And it, and it is, like you said, it is hard because you have this vast array of knowledge, but you also know like what works for you is not going to be universally good. So I don't have an answer to that question. That was yeah, a I think that's also like a, that's also kind of a question that we would get from leader from senior leadership too. Is like they had budgeted a certain amount of money towards just events, uh, and how do we decide which ones we should go to? And it's not always you know on paper. And so they come to you, they come to me, and say which one should we go to? It just it I don't know. It, it you're right. It depends on the person. Depends on what they're trying to get out of it. Um, but when there's so many different cooks in the kitchen, and mm -hmm. you know, so. I love but, it that, that we had an, an initiative to, you know, send people out, but it was, it was like, well, I think you should go to this one and you should go to this one. Oh, oh yeah. Strange loops, uh, abstractions. Like you should go to these weird ones, you know, don't go to just the, the, the you know, velocity and the, and right. the stuff like that. But it was always really a, a tough conversation to have. So I guess my follow-up question to that then would be, how do you figure out what the best fit is more than just, I'm pulling from my personal experience of the conferences that I've been to. For speaking or for attending? Either one. Yes. Or, or sponsoring. Attending or sponsoring, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I 
we have another matrix <laughs> um, basically for the advocates at our company to kind of help decide where they should speak. So once they get a session accepted, they can use the, a, a very similar tool, but with different measurements to decide, like, should I accept this speaking opportunity and go to this conference and, and give my session? Um, and it, it really just depends on like, I think a lot of different factors of like, is it one track or is it multi-track? Like, are a lot of people going to be in my talk or are there going to be less people? Like, are these decision makers or are these practitioners or are these just like random people that came to a free conference? Like, I think that there are a lot of different kind of axes that you can measure it on. And it's really just so hard because it depends on what's valuable to your team and your company and your goals for that year. And so I don't have like a hard and fast, this is how you do it. But I think that kind of making sure that you have different variables and you weight them of what's most important to you will kind of guide you to a maybe yes, maybe no decision. Um, that's for speaking. I mean, kind of along the same lines as, as sponsoring as what we value and what our goals are this year that we're trying to hit and, and putting the, the conference and the information that we have about the conference into that to decide like, is this a good investment of our time and our resources and our people? Um, as far as attending, it's so hard because each person has their own goals and, and motivations and, and the companies that I've worked at before, I feel like a lot of times it's just up to you as the person to kind of put together a case of like, this is why I want to go to this conference and this is why it's important. Um, and if it's a 75,000 person conference, like obviously you're going to have a very different um, story to sell to your boss than like Glucon, which is amazing, but like isn't as glitzy or glamorous on, on paper. But I mean, it's an incredible conference and really valuable. So it's just kind of the story that you're telling your boss. Yeah, I think one the main thing I love I love having that like framework that you know that spreadsheet tool type of idea, but it definitely forces us to do our homework and like track uh, data points about conferences. You know, like DevOps days, Rockies is always five hundred people. It's always around these dates. It's you know like it's always the gold sponsorship is around this. Like you start to kill, you start to create a little database of all the different things that you know about which means then you got to go back and update them. And it's just, yeah, you're, you're creating, you're, you're giving yourself data, but you have to actually go find that data and keep you it do. up to date. So Matt, I think you have a little uh, insight to add about data around conferences and how to find conferences that fit specific parameters, right? Yes. I would love to talk about that. So um, as you mentioned, um, I was tasked with doing like due diligence and just sort of finding conferences for uh, my companies to sponsor. And I think one of the things that was the most shocking to me is it's so hard to get to the data on the conference, which um, Amanda mentioned earlier in the prospectus, which I think that's what it's called. Um, and well, what's so the hard plural of prospectus? That's <laughs> the question. Oh, prospectus is? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so essentially I had like 15 conferences that I shortlisted and now it was time to really narrow that down to, you know, five. And really the only way or like one of the ways is to look at the prospectus or prospectuses. And um, it took a lot of time. Basically, they're behind uh, these email walls where they want you to talk to basically account executives um, who try to sell you on the conference. And it's just like I can tell within like 30 seconds if it's a good conference by looking at it. And these prospectuses are also so flashy and they're not standardized. So I got really frustrated. So I'll just do a quick uh, shout out to this uh, side project I worked on called Confer. So if you go to Confer with um, an I, so C-O-N-F-I-R.com, 
um, I tried to aggregate all these conferences into just like row and column um, uh, standardization, just because like it shouldn't be this complicated. And um, it does a pretty good job. I wrote a lot of like scripting technology. My idea was to get the organizers themselves to give us the data and sort of make them conform to, uh, you know, some sort of like principle. Um, but yeah, I find it to be really time consuming. And what was actually even more mind boggling for me was, uh, I, I know I keep talking about Optimizely, but I'll mention them one more time. They actually paid a firm, I'm not sure how much, but they actually paid like this consultancy firm to like do their research on these conferences and just send us back like pie charts and like read the prospectuses for us, which was kind of uh, surprising. So I thought that was maybe not the best use of money. So um, yeah, I tried to essentially compile all this, but. I think my advice would be to get these prospectuses however you can. Um, I don't think it's, unless you really want to have a conversation, I think you can avoid that phone call because they tend to be very salesy. Um, I think you should look at number of attendees. You should look at the attendee demographics. Um, you should look at the competitors. Um, and then you should really just talk to people in the field. I feel like it's all word of mouth and everyone is always happy to talk about their experience. So I'd really recommend just talking to people because the prospectuses are really sales documents. Um, so that's my take real, real quick. I did look this up as Matt was talking. So there are two possibilities. It's prospectuses or prospectus. Dang it. Like I have been no using prospectus. Like moose. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> I was, I was hoping for it, but it, but it didn't come through. <laughs> well, thank you for that clarification. And thank you for all that work. Uh, Matt, that yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah. You should check the site out. Um, I'm definitely still working on it. If you have feedback. Uh, it's free to sign up. Um, we have a lot of conferences. Oh, the one more thing I'll plug is we have a really cool tool that I'm proud of that um, on the left side, it says uh, competitors. You can type in any company. So like PagerDuty should be on there and you can see the conferences that they've sponsored in the past and even upcoming because we run this scraper um, and we basically map. Um, so like we'll go through all the conference websites and if we see like a PagerDuty logo or a link that is PagerDuty, we'll map it to that conference. So. That could also help see where your competitors are. So you should check That's that out. Bad. Very cool. That is awesome. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of show notes and extra ads, I think we're probably to the point where we got to start wrapping this up, unfortunately. Um, but thank you so much to Matt and Amanda for being guests on the Community Pulse this week and uh, or this episode, I should say. Yeah, thanks And so... Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the things uh, we like to do at the end of the show is always just sort of share some things uh, that are either top of mind or something you're working on um, with our community. And that doesn't have to be technical. It can be just anything. It could be a book. It could be a movie you want to see. It could be a conference you're planning to go to, whatever. So uh, we'll go around the horn and we'll let PJ kick it off so he can show us how to do it. And then right. uh, we'll end with Matt and Amanda uh, letting us know what they've got for checkouts. This is how we do it. Um, so first of all, I, after all that talk, I think I'd be remiss if I did not say that DevOps Days Buffalo is happening September 26th and 27th in Buffalo, New York, hence the cool name. Uh, tickets are still on sale. We're still looking for a few sponsors. Uh, we're looking for sponsors, not only like the gold, silver, and bronze level, but we're looking for sponsors for captioning, lanyards, and things like that. Uh, captioning is a super important thing to have at your conferences, and you should have it at every conference. So definitely get involved with that. Are there going to be uh, wings for lunch? Oh, this you know. You know there's going to okay. be wings. I'm running the this conference. PJ, we're asking after all. <laughs> there will be we... wings. The after party will be karaoke. There are certain givens when I throw a conference. Uh, all right. Just, um, well, okay. 
No, yeah, yeah. Maybe live stream that. I don't know. Live like stream it. people eating wings. That's weird. <laughs> At Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. um, there'll, there'll probably be enough hashtags on Instagram. You can just follow that on Instagram. Um, or buy a ticket and come eat wings with us. Um, so on another note, you know, uh, so a while back, like many, many episodes back, Mary introduced us to the Crime Town podcast, which got me addicted to the entire Crime Town family of podcasts. And I've been re- listening to the most recent one from IO Tillett Wright called The Ballad of Billy Balls. Interesting story about this character in kind of the crazy punk rock scene of late 70s, early 80s New York City and the mystery of his death. Um, so very interesting story. Um, definitely check it out. I think it's like 13 or 14 episodes. It's just about to wrap up, but it's still fresh. Uh, one of the great things about the podcast actually is Io and her producer, Austin, having conversations on mic. So you kind of feel how this whole investigation is going. Like these regular, like two people just chatting. Um, it's really awesome. So check that out. And finally, of course, it would be wrong if I didn't have some sort of music note in my checkouts. Uh, Showtime has an awesome documentary series about the Wu-Tang Clan called Wu-Tang Clan of Mikes and Men. Uh, definitely check it out. It's amazing. And I really dig it. And uh, it's the Wu-Tang Clan. So you can't be wrong. Uh, well, I'll go next. Um, since we're speaking about conferences and places to go and things to do, I figured I'd mention uh, the two conferences that I have coming up this fall. Um, there may be more, but I'm trying to be selective, as we were talking about yeah. earlier, uh, both for burnout and for making sure I get other things done. Um, but the two that I'm going to for sure, because I'm speaking at both of them, um, Abstractions is the first one, which came up earlier in the show. Uh, I, will, I will also be there. Yes. Yes. There will be a quorum of community pulse hosts there. Um, (laughs) It's in Pittsburgh, August 21st through 23rd. Uh, This is the second year they've done abstractions. And honestly, I applied to speak because I heard so many awesome things about the first year and was really bummed that it didn't happen last year. And so the CFP launched again this year and I went, I'm applying. I don't know what I'm speaking about, but I'm applying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I'll actually be there. I'm speaking with Rain Leander, who's a community manager, um, project manager over at Red Hat. Uh, we're talking about documenting your work, um, how to make sure that other people know what you're doing, what you're responsible for, both for the sake of whoever takes on your job next, as well as uh, in hopes that you can delegate some of your work and take on more of the things that you actually want to be doing. Uh, and then I'll also be speaking at CMX Summit, which is down in Redwood City, which is here in the Bay Area. That's September 5th and 6th. Um, And CMX Summit is put on by uh, a company appropriately called CMX, which is Community Manager Professionals. Um, They recently got acquired by Bevy, uh, if you're familiar with Bevy. But it's a conference for anyone who does work in the community space, which applies to everyone in developer relations as well. Um, There are a few technical topics. There are a variety of topics from across different industries. And I love this conference in particular because it's an opportunity to learn about how other industries are doing community management and building communities. And it's a fascinating way to kind of get a, get a perspective shift on what you're working on and offer different ideas um, for things that you can do in your particular community. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, why don't I go last? Cause I got a crap load of stuff I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> so uh, how about Amanda? Are you ready? Sure. Um, I would also be remiss if I did not talk about PagerDuty Summit, which is coming up September 23rd through 25th. Registration is open for that. 
Um, and then since we can share things like books and things, I do a lot of reading and writing outside of work time. So um, something that I think is really cool and a unique way to experience art is there's a book that came out recently by a poet called Deaf Republic. And there is a reading of the entire poetry book on the BBC right now. And I just think it's a really cool and interesting way to, to read, quote unquote, a book. And so um, I'll make sure to share that. Uh, should I go next? Yeah, what you got? Um, so I am speaking at Tulio Signal, which I'm really excited about because I've attended uh, twice now and I've never spoken there. So that is the first week of August. I believe I'm speaking on August 5th, which I think is a Wednesday. Um, and then in mid-August, I'll be going to DevCom in Cologne in Germany. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, we will just be sponsoring it and doing a workshop and doing some interviews. Um, so that should be cool. And then um, I actually could use some feedback. So if, if uh, folks want to tweet at me, but I'm not sure. I got accepted to speak at Frontend Connect in Poland, but I'm not sure. Uh, I think that's kind of what we discussed. I'm not sure if it's worth flying all the way to Poland. I'm not sure uh, about this speaking opportunity yet. So I'm, I'm deciding that. Um, otherwise, um, I've been working at Twitch for about six months and have actually really been enjoying watching um, uh, the science and technology section. There's a lot of live coders. So if you're interested in watching people live code, Twitch has a pretty big uh, community and I've actually started to stream as well. So uh, I definitely recommend uh, checking that out. Just to jump in, I'm not tweeting you feedback on Twitter right now, but um, something that we do if a conference is kind of far away, our advocates will kind of look at, like, are there other conferences in the area around the same time that I could be applying for? Or do we have customers over there that I could meet with and make it more of an impactful journey or something? So um, that's kind of my non-Twitter feedback. If you can kind <laughs> of make a case for going, that, that might be something worth trying. Totally. I think that's really helpful. Like on the way back, we have a large presence in London. Maybe I can stop there and do like yeah. a dinner or something. Yeah. Also yeah. channeling PJ right now, hitting up any meetups that are in the area. Yes. It's, it's a concept uh, that I've done with a couple companies before, just talking about having the most bang for your buck when you're there in, in town. Um, and you're still traveling a lot of miles, but seeing, seeing as many faces as you can during totally. that. And I'll plus one on the live streaming of live programming on Twitch. That's been a, it's been something a lot of the Microsoft advocates have been seeing a lot of success okay. with. So um, yeah, C Sharp Fritz is a huge. I think he works at Microsoft. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey Fritz. That name. He's not on our team, but I think okay. that's yeah, no. He 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 is a Microsoft team. Okay. Yeah. He streams. He actually is partnered on Twitch. I recommend checking him out. He's a really high quality streamer. Cool. Yeah. Maybe we'll add the. The links to his stuff but um anyway awesome awesome suggestions from both of you thanks so much uh i do have a, a lengthy list here I usually i have like seven things usually i have one so um <laughs> i feel like i ought to like split these up but they're so good so let me start with the first one artistworks.com i've probably mentioned this one before i'm switching back into like student mode until probably around november and um I'm picking up, even though I've played the guitar for years, I'm picking up like actual bluegrass technique. So um, if you're looking to play really, I think in just about any instrument, artistworks.com, I think is one of the better like online and really super affordable um, like music tutorial, music learning things out there. Check that out. Uh, the other thing I recently put on Twitter, I was looking for help finding like um, 
a real-time logger of the diagnostics on your vehicle because I wanted to put that on my camper van, which I really wish I would have had before the DevOps road trip. But anyway, I found out about Automatic and I got one of those and it's super cool. It actually can like send updates from my camper van or whatever I'm driving to anywhere I want. It's got a really nice like API set of APIs and I just in like a couple of minutes connected it to my, like a Google sheet through if this, then that. And so it's like sending all this information from my van to a Google sheet whenever I drive it, which is really cool. Um, one of the things Mary kind of mentioned was like tracking the talk that you're giving about tracking and documenting our work. Um, that's becoming like something I'm really starting to focus on with my own work and like where, where's my time and energy going. And so I've recently kind of come back to rescue time to sort of help me like actually track where, where I'm at, what I'm doing and that kind of thing. So if you haven't used rescue time, I think it's fun, if nothing else, to see what you're spending your time on. Um, and then uh, i tell you what, the, the couple of the rest of the things I'm going to save for the next episode because they're not super urgent. So um, <laughs> the other thing, oh, I do want to leave you with this. I already shared this with PJ and Mary. Um, but earlier this week, two days ago, I was trying to leave Comcast. I was kind of fed up with how much I was paying and the, the bandwidth I was not getting. And then uh, on top of a few just weird charges I was getting, I was uh, one morning laying in bed ready to pull the plug. And I came across on their website that they had made some changes to just sort of their digital service in general. So good job there. But also they like broke out all these packages where you used to, you had to like buy some package full of services you didn't want, would never need. Like I don't have a TV, I don't have a phone, but I just want this bandwidth. Um, they finally did it. So now I'm, I like cut my bill in half and like tripled my, my uh, bandwidth on Comcast. So thanks to them. But the reason why I was getting overcharged is because there was, two, I was like some, somewhere in my house, I'm using a bunch of bandwidth for something I couldn't track down. So I've, I installed little snitch on my computer, on my Mac yesterday and found out it's my MacBook. That's like every time I'm plugged in, to the network, it's like sending massive stuff. And at first I thought it had to be my iPhotos because it's, you know, pictures and video, but it was actually uh, Z shell and like a plugin I'm using in Z shell on my iTerm um, that was doing a, basically a speed test constantly in order to show the speed at the bottom of my terminal, but it was sending massive amounts of data in and out to collect that, that number. So anyway, Sorry for the long story, but you can go to Comcast and like severely cut your bill down and still get really good internet if you're looking to do that. Valuable information to have. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Amanda and Matt, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Um, as always, this is an awesome topic that we could talk about for a lot longer than we did. <laughs> <laughs> but I really appreciate the insights that both of you brought, um, and hopefully it'll be useful to all of you who are listening as well. Um, as always, if you have feedback or questions or other topics you want us to chat about, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, uh, community underscore pulse. Um, all of us are on Twitter as well. Uh, I am Mary underscore Grace. PJ? Uh, I am PJ, uh, but I am at Esplenic on Twitter. Uh, that's a whole long story. And if Someday I will tell that story on this podcast on why I am explaining on Twitter and IRC and Xbox and everything else. I think we'd rather you just change it to PJ Haggerty. <laughs> people don't even care that I have a last name. Most people are just like, <laughs> PJ, you know PJ. Everybody knows PJ. And I'm Jason Hand at Jason Hand on Twitter. 
And before we go, I would like to offer this wonderful inspirational quote. Uh, no matter how hard it gets, stick your chest out, keep your head up, and handle it. Uh, that's from Tupac Shakur. And we'll talk to you next time on The Community Pulse. This has been another episode of The Community Pulse Podcast. Find us on Twitter at community underscore pulse, online at communitypulse.io, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll see you next time.